Welcome to the post-game edition of Seahawks Forever, my instant reaction to the Seahawks dominating 24-3 victory over the New York Giants on Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, one of the more impressive defensive performances we've seen out of the Seahawks and a Pete Carroll defense and Clint Hurt in many, many years. Um, and we've, we may have seen a breakout performance after a couple of weeks that we thought were already breakout performances from potentially one of the, the the best young players in the NFL showing himself, and that was Devin Witherspoon, a dominating performance by the Seahawks defense tonight. Uh, I'm going to talk about it here on this Instant Reaction Show. Sort of a, a low-tech version, if you've noticed some differences. No fancy intro today. No graphics. Different background. So I mentioned it on the show last week, uh, just moved to a new apartment. And as moves go, as well as I think I was organized for this move, um, you know, getting set up took a little bit more than I thought it would. Um, and so the the new studio setup isn't exactly in place and uh, don't have my Wi-Fi or my Internet set up here. Um, in fact, if you followed along on the live stream tonight on the PSF app during the game with Dana O'Gorman and myself, um, I had to run that entire stream off of the personal hotspot on my phone. Fortunately, it worked, and I was able to run two devices and make it work. But I had to react to this game. Um, bottom line, this Seahawks defense that has been so maligned over the last couple of years, for good reason, that has made it so difficult for this team to win some games that we thought they should win, but also beat teams as convincingly as we feel like they should have at times. And also have an inability over the last few seasons, it seems, to put their foot on the gas and put teams away. And tonight, game didn't start out great. Just about everything was going against the Seahawks. And they still end up dominating to a point that Giants fans were leaving early in the fourth quarter. Uh, the ABC cameras showed an aerial shot of all the cars leaving MetLife Stadium. Aikman and Buck, with about six minutes left, essentially apologized on air for how boring the game was and joking that no one might be left watching. Seahawks haven't done that in a long time. And I hope that some of the conversation nationally over the next couple of days isn't just about how bad the Giants are and how far they've fallen short of expectations when most people thought they'd be a playoff team again. Uh, and, and they start to talk about how good the Seahawks were. Because let's talk about the bad stuff, right? Offensively, not great. Again, they struggle on third downs, just three of 12. They went for it on fourth down twice, didn't convert either of those. So three of 14 on third or fourth downs. Um, never really got the running game going, ended up rush, rushing for 121 yards. A lot of that was late, though, after the game was decided. Um, penalties were an issue, eight penalties for 74 yards, often at key times. Um, <laughs> there was there was a 40-ish yard pass interference call against Tyler Lockett downfield in the first half that would have been a huge would have really flipped field position and been a huge boost to that offense that was kind of grinding its way through the first few series and not really getting any, any rhythm. And that was negated by a holding call. Um, lots of untimely penalties. Um, they were out uh, 
New York had the ball for 36 minutes to just 24 minutes for the Seahawks. Geno Smith got hurt in the second quarter and had to leave. Drew Locke came in and actually engineered a scoring drive. Geno, 13 out of 20 for only 110 yards, did have a touchdown in the game. When he did come back in the game, the game had basically been decided, so they kind of called off the dogs. He really didn't throw the ball downfield much. And in, in his last drive, before they replaced him again with Drew Locke to finish out, uh, looked inaccurate. Said it was a knee injury. Went in, got x-rays at halftime. Let him come back out in the second half. That's good news. We'll get the, the update from Pete Carroll here shortly. Didn't seem to have a brace or a wrap on the knee at all. Seemed to be moving around okay. But he was so inaccurate. There was a fourth down play where he had Charbonnet open for an easy first down, threw the ball behind him. Just didn't seem to be as accurate. So maybe that knee was bothering him a little bit. Drew Locke came in. It was two out of six for 63 yards. Um. Kenneth Walker, 17 carries, 79 yards, and a touchdown. The offense just couldn't get going. Again, they tried to involve Jackson Smith and Jigba, but they're not using them vertically. They're using them horizontally. They tried to get the screen pass going. Um, twice, Geno Smith had balls batted down when they were trying to attempt a screen pass. One to JSN, one to Zach Charbonnet. Both of them looked like they had a lot of potential, um, and Geno kind of sidearmed those throws. They were both knocked down. Offensive line held up relatively well. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau had two sacks where he just individually flat out beat Jake Curran with his quickness. Um, and there were more injuries. More injuries in the game along that offensive line. Damian Lewis had to leave the game, be carted off. Um, Phil Haynes didn't play in the game, so Anthony Bradford, the rookie, played and, and started and played the whole game at right guard. And so when Lewis went out, um, Raquan Lewis was the only backup offensive lineman the Seahawks had left on the roster. And so they had to move Evan Brown over to left guard and Olu Oluwatimi, the rookie fifth round draft pick out of Michigan, had to come in and play center for the entire second half. Um, they made it through, they grinded it out. They really couldn't get anything going on on offense. Defense was the story of the night. Goes without saying. And what makes it even more impressive is two things to me. Number one is we saw Jamal Adams come back tonight. And then he gets hurt. On the second series, I believe. Now, I'm just going to say this. If any of you, I haven't been on Twitter yet. If any of you are out there pounding your chest saying, see, I told you so. This guy's brittle. This guy's injury prone. They should have never paid him. They should have cut him and moved on. I would say uh, you're full of crap. Injury prone is someone like CJ Procise. Soft tissue injuries, hamstrings, quads, groins, always can't stay healthy. D. Eskridge may have a little bit of that going on as well, where it just seems like their bodies aren't conditioned enough or aren't built to take the pounding the day-in, day-out training and the regimen that needs to go into preparing yourself to be an NFL football player. What Jamal Adams has suffered is torn labrum, broken fingers, torn patella tendon. Um, and then tonight, making a play, coming up in run support and being physical, takes a knee to the top of the helmet, a shot that would have knocked anyone and indeed, he was he was clearly concussed from the moment he tried to get up off the field. Uh, 
I think I said on the live stream at the time, like, obviously I'm no doctor, but he's not coming back. He's out. But I'll say this about Jamal Adams. In the series and a half that he was in there, his impact on this defense was obvious. He was running around, making plays, hitting guys hard, coming up and run support, rushing the passer and impacting the play. So hopefully that concussion, he'll be back. I know he thought he should come back. There was, they caught him on the sidelines arguing with what we we think was the sideline doctor. You could read his lips saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. And he was livid that they wouldn't let him back in the game. So hopefully with the bye week coming up, a bye week incidentally that seems pretty well timed, right? We didn't like the early bye when the schedule first came out, but we like it now, don't we? Um, because most of these injuries the Seahawks are dealing with are kind of week-to-week type injuries. Jaron Reed had to leave late in this game. Uh, looked like he got banged on the shin. Hopefully that's something that can heal up in, in two weeks. Um, after Adams went out, the way this defense responded, 11 sacks in the game, a Monday night football record, ties the Seahawks team record, and – what was really impressive was that it came from everywhere and that every time in the game, the Giants seemed to get something going. There was a period early in the second quarter where the Seahawks were getting some pretty consistent pressure in the first quarter. And so the Giants came out and they really ramped up the quick passing game. They were getting out to uh, Wandale Robinson, the rookie wide receiver. They were getting it out quick. And they were gaining some yards. At one point, they led the yardage um, total about 150 to 60, somewhere in there. And it, and, it, and it kind of triggered a little PTSD, like, here we go again. We can't stop the underneath stuff. But then guys started to make plays. And the, the one who stepped up the most when Adams went out was Witherspoon. He was absolutely everywhere. We saw him coming up in run support and laying guys out. We saw him get a sack. We saw him blitz a couple of times and impact the passer. And then we saw him with the big play in the third quarter with the pick six and the 97-yard return, um, a play I can't wait to break down on film that just shows off. I talked about this on the midweek show with Dana, and I say it all the time about draft prospects and, and guys making the transition to the NFL. One of the most exciting things to see is when a player – delivers on promise and when the skills that we see in college that lead us to believe he can be a good NFL player translate and for all of the doubters that you should ever take that that we should have taken Witherspoon at five or that you should ever take a corner that high Pete Pete been, Pete's been trying to tell you from day one this guy's special he impacts the game in a different way with his physicality and the way he can do everything come up and run support and break on the ball, his read and react skills, his diagnosis skills. And in just three games, we have seen it. In three games, we've seen it show up in every single game. Coverage, quickness, ability to break on the ball, ball skills, instincts, physicality. He is fearless. He is, (laughs) from the second he stepped on the field in Detroit, he seemed like a guy that belonged and was ready for stardom. And I said it during the game. Uh, I said, he's a, I'll bleep myself here, but he's a freaking star. 
did Sauce Gardner make this kind of impact in his first three games last year on his way to winning NFL Rookie of the Year? No. Did Reek Woolen make this kind of impact when he burst on the scene and we all realized, oh, shit, we got a steal in the fifth round? No. It's, it's so much fun to watch. But what made this performance tonight so incredible is it wasn't just him. It came from everywhere. There's not a player on that defensive roster outside of maybe John Radigan, who didn't make a play tonight. Let's go through some of the stats. Bobby Wagner was everywhere tonight. I am more and more grateful each week that they brought him back. The player that they released wasn't just a $20 million a year cap hit, but he was a player they thought was declining and just didn't have the physical skills. He clearly does now. 17 more tackles, nine of them solo, two sacks, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits. Everyone made plays. Julian Love, who's taken some heat from some fans in his return to, to play the Giants. Ten tackles, a tackle for loss. Jordan Brooks, ten tackles, two sacks, a tackle for loss, and a QB hit. Devin Witherspoon, seven tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, a pass defense, two quarterback hits, an interception, and a touchdown. Reek Woolen, seven tackles and a pass defense. Almost had a pick. Uchenna Nwosu, six tackles, two sacks, a tackle for loss. Miles Adams had a sack. Mario Edwards had a sack, a strip sack. The Seahawks covered the fumble, led to their first touchdown. Boye Mafe with a sack and, and a pressure and a QB hit. All in all, the Seahawks with 11 sacks, 10 tackles for loss, and 14 quarterback hits. Unbelievable performance. Can't wait to see some of the PFF grades for whatever that's worth. And the ESPN pass rush win rate stats. Mm -hmm. We've talked ad nauseum about this Seahawks defensive line since the draft through free agency. They had Draymond Jones. Uh, Jones had a sack tonight too and was a beast. He was in on run plays. Uh, he had a couple tackles for loss. His best game is the Seahawks. Um, but just, you know, bringing him in, bringing Jaron Reed back, Mario Edwards, drafting Mike Morris, who's now on IR, drafting Cameron Young. Was that enough? That they should have added more? That I don't know if that defensive line's good enough. They were pressuring the Giants on every single play. And if you want to say, well, the Giants were, were missing Andrew Thomas, their first-round draft pick, left tackle, he's out hurt. And then their starting center this year's second-round pick, John Michael Schmitz, he left early. Okay, well, the Seahawks were literally playing with their entire second-string offensive line for much of the game with Stone Forsyth at left tackle, Evan Brown, who's the backup left guard at left guard, Ulu Oluwatimi at center, Anthony Bradford at right guard, and, and Jake Curran at right tackle. So no excuses. Uh, by the way, Anthony Bradford is a beast. 324 pounds, and he knows how to use it. On Ken Walker's touchdown run, um, and the run preceding it, Anthony Bradford just blowing up his guy. And that Giants defensive line is no joke, right? They averaged 20 or 320 yards, 320 pounds across the front line uh, with Leonard Taylor, Taylor um, or Leonard Williams, um, Ashawn Robinson. I mean, they're big. And maybe even Bradford was the, the better matchup than Phil Haynes would have been because of his physicality. He was impressive tonight. Um, everybody on that defense got in on it and made plays. 
Some concerns coming out of this one. Is Gino healthy? Um, although it was cool to see Gino get some, or, or Drew get some reps and looked comfortable, looked like he belonged, made a couple of plays when they needed him to, to get a score before halftime, knowing that we get the ball in the second half. Um, so is Gino okay? How about those offensive linemen coming, coming out of the buyer? We're going to get Damian Lewis back. It sounds like Charles Cross will be ready to go in Cincinnati. That there was a thought earlier in the week that Pete even thought he might be able to play this week. But with Forsythe playing the way that he is, why would you, right? Um, so can we get those guys back? Need to see that third down rate get better. And I think that comes down to that they're still not consistently running the ball well early in games. And I think that impacts third down, right? If you're gaining more on first or second down, running the ball on early downs, you're leaving yourself more third and shorts. And I think the good teams that are good on third down offensively are teams that can run the ball on third down. Uh, inability still to get JSN involved in the middle of the field. Everything is horizontal. I do think that'll come. Um, but also, look, we we know the talent with JSN is real. But he's basically feeding for scraps. I mean, DK's getting getting the, the biggest target share. Tyler's right after him. The tight ends are getting involved. Shane Waldron has made a concerted effort to get the running backs more involved. We saw that a couple times tonight, too, to Charbonnet. There's not going to be a lot of targets for JSN. Um, I thought there would be more just because of the talent. He's going to have his moments. His time will come. And hopefully he'll be ready when it does. Um but what makes this all so exciting, and as we look ahead to the schedule now, coming out of the bye, you play a Cincinnati team that's one and three, and we really don't know where they're at. Jamar Chase is frustrated. We don't know how healthy Joe Burrow is. That offense really hasn't clicked. Um, then you come home to play the Cardinals, who are a more competitive team than we thought they were going to be. Josh Dobbs appears to be a, a, a competent NFL quarterback. Um, then you get the Browns at home. They're three and one right now. You go on the road to play the Ravens, you come home to play the Commanders. That's a five-game stretch heading into that gauntlet where they play the 49ers and the Eagles three times in four weeks. Coming out of this game, you almost feel better about the defense than the offense. Who would have thought we'd get here? But heading into the season, those of us that were optimistic about the potential of this roster, it was because we thought the defense would get better because there was so much young talent and that they would be competent enough to let the offense do their thing. Well, tonight the offense struggled and the defense picked them up and, and imposed their will and beat a team that's down a team. They should have beat a team that was dead last in offense in the league. And they went out from the first snap to the last snap consistently throughout the game, not in flashes consistently dominated the Giants up front, played well in coverage, played well in the run game. Um, really, really impressive performance and a really encouraging one. So tell me what you think in the comments. Tell me how you feel about this game. Um, if you were a Jalen Carter believer and, and you thought it was a mistake to take Devin Witherspoon, are you convinced now? Have you changed your mind yet? 
even though Carter, Carter's playing well in Philadelphia, making an impact looks like a beast. Um, how'd you feel about Drew Locke's cameo? Are you worried about the injuries? Where do you see this team now? First of all, did you have them three and one going into the break? And where do you see this team six weeks from now? Tell me in the comments. Always remember to follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Subscribe to this page. Like the video. That really helps the algorithm. Just puts it in front of more people. Uh, if you really want to support the page and you like what I do, uh, I'll put it in the description. You can buy me a beer at buymeacoffee.com or a coffee, coffee or beer. Like um, Ryan did. Uh, bought me five beers. Um, Ryan V., Bought me five beers, said, I always look forward to your new episode. So shout out to Ryan. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I really appreciate it. I will get the studio set up, get it done. And what I plan to do during the buy uh, is a couple of things. First of all, get the PSF app, uh, PSF Pro Sports Fans. Dane and I will do our midweek show every uh, Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Um, I'm going to focus on a couple of things over the break. I am going to do a film breakdown of Geno Smith's pocket awareness because I think it's been really, really impressive. I have to take a look at Devin Witherspoon's performance over three weeks and 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 uh, and talk about a little bit of that. And then uh, Michael Thompson's going to come on the show. We're going to take our first peek ahead to the draft next year and specifically talk about this quarterback class and how deep and impressive it is and how deep and balanced and loaded this next quarterback draft might be if the Seahawks are thinking about maybe developing someone for the future, maybe some potential day two and day three sleepers for the Seahawks. So that's something to look forward to. Um, thanks for hanging with me. I You can't see all of the boxes, so wish me luck when it comes to the unpacking. And uh, sorry for the low-tech no frills version of this episode, but thank you so much for supporting the show. And I'll leave you with this as always with the Seahawks coming off a 24, three win on Monday night football against the giants moving to three and one forever and always go Hawks. Thanks for watching.